0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A warm welcome to this Wednesday edition of Scorebox. These are your headlines. Major US markets giving up gains as the tech rally fizzles out somewhat whilst gold holds at its highest level in over eight years, as investors turn risk off with the confirmed cases in the United States crossing the 3 million mark. The World Health Organization warns the virus could be airborne, saying there is emerging evidence to suggest it should update its guidance on how to prevent the spread. Deutsche Post DHL delivering a solid set of numbers, beating forecast with a 16% jump in operating profit. We're going to speak to the CEO, Frank Appel, first on CNBC. And lesson learned. Well, Deutsche Bank CEO, Christian Saving, tells CNBC the bank should never have taken on Jeffrey Epstein as a client, as it agrees to pay a $150 million fine.
1: It was a critical mistake with it, uh, there is no question. Mr. Epstein should have never been onboarded, should have never been uh, our client.
0: Really lovely to see you this Wednesday. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. I'll tell you, we've got some great guests on the show. I'll just uh, diverge a little bit on uh, what my script was. And we've got Pierre Gramagna, who wants to be the head of Eurogroup, coming on. We've got Fikas Sebesma, uh, one of the most senior businessmen in Europe, and also Frank Arpel coming up in around about 10 minutes' time or so. So really big CEOs uh, and important politicians to uh, speak to us about what's going on in Europe and beyond. Right, let's take a look at these US markets. It was, funny enough, I looked at the session, obviously, from start to finish pretty much yesterday, and I thought it was a predictive unspectacular session. Yes, we had declines. Yes, the rally fizzled out. But actually, it was a very solid session in many ways. I, we didn't see that huge oscillation. The market decided it was going down. It eased down. Uh, and pretty much, I was looking at the declines on the Dow. Yes, it closed nearer its lows than the highest intraday levels. But the fact of the matter was, it, it went down very gracefully as well. And, and probably very naturally as well. We have had, of course, a stunning run up into the end of the half year as well. These markets have gone Gangbusters. Let's be honest about it and raise all kinds of questions about broader valuations. And you know, we've been asking those questions as well. The Nasdaq was down nine-tenths of 1%. So it's probably worth having a look uh, at the US technology stocks just to see uh, what was leading us low. And I know Amazon got a lot of headlines as well. But look, still just about clung on to the $3,000 mark, down 1.86% in session. NVIDIA mildly higher, Facebook also moving in that direction, uh, and Twitter up 2% as well. But you can see none of the big spectacular moves we've seen on some of the oscillation we've seen as of late. I will mention the data very briefly as well, though. We saw uh, the JOLTS data coming out, which is pretty much the, the, the Labour turnover survey. Uh, and actually, the labour market is improving. Hires rose at a record 4.9%. We're seeing a lot of records in both directions at the moment. Uh, openings, job openings, up to a high, up to 3.9% in May. So improving data there, albeit unspectacular compared with the huge number of losses we've seen. Now, what are you expecting today? Well, more mortgage applications, that'll be very interesting as well. But I'm actually particularly looking at the initial jobless claims, as indeed are you. I know this anyway. So 1.35 million uh, jobless claims seen as well. So we're seeing the Incline in jobless rates going down, if you see what I mean. The the growth is still happening, but unfortunately it's happening uh, at a slower rate. But we'd love to see something more spectacular on that front as well uh, on the jobs front. Whether we do or not remains to be seen. So gold was one that piqued my interest. 18.09 was the figure I was looking at, but we've just abated a little bit below the 1800 level. I've got a a level for you here somewhere. Hang on. There you go. The highest settle uh, since the 14th of September 2011. So we've seen six out of seven days the gold price has been up. 1809, the highest settle uh, since 2011 as well. And we can have a quick look at the treasuries as well. Again, I mentioned the data, very important at the moment. What have we got here? What do we get up to yesterday? I think 0.667, I was looking at this time yesterday. Uh, 0.6529 now. Incredibly small level. I'm just below 140 now on the yield on the 30 year paper as well. Uh, 0.3 is the five-year note as well. Just to say to you that we have got um, opening calls for the European markets, which actually fell quite aggressively yesterday. The FTSE virtually gave up uh, all of its inclines from the previous day. Again, but I did notice just looking, actually, the pound trading 125.57. It had uh, around about a cent lower valuation 24 hours earlier. Uh, And on those European calls, we are called mildly easier at the start of trading. So confirmed coronavirus cases in America have crossed the three million mark. This after the country recorded another 50,000 new infections, whilst the number of deaths rose to 919. That's the biggest one-day jump since early last month. For the first time, Texas has reported more than 10,000 new cases, surpassing its previous record spike set over the weekend. Meanwhile, Florida has warned the state could soon run out of intensive care units Hospital beds. This comes after the uh, Sunshine State, along with California, Arizona and Georgia reported a jump in cases, but but fewer than previously reported. Okay, so a jump in cases, but fewer than previously reported. Now, the president, Mr. Trump, has vowed to pressure state governors to reopen schools, though, in the fall. That's the autumn to you and I over in Europe uh, and push back against calls to shut down the country again.
2: We've really done it right, but now it's time to be open. It's time to stay open, and we will put out the fires as they come up, but we have to open our schools. It's so important to open our schools, and what you said, from a psychological standpoint, with respect to staying home any longer, you can't do it. You can't do it. That has great dangers also. So that's where we are. We're not closing. We'll never close. You'll have certain areas that will... uh, have difficulty and they'll do what they have to do. And that'll be up largely to the governors.
0: The Trump administration has officially notified the UN of its withdrawal from the World Health Organization. Mr. Trump announced back in May that the U.S. would, quote, terminate its relationship with the WHO over its response to the pandemic. This comes as the WHO says it is reviewing new evidence on whether the virus can spread through particles in the air. The White House top health advisor, Anthony Fauci, has contradicted the president over his claim that the falling death rate is an indicator of success.
1: A lower rate of death. There's so many other things that are very dangerous and bad about this virus don't get yourself into false complacency.
0: Let's take a look at the major Asian markets. And quite frankly, some of these have been on an absolute tear. And look, remain on a tear. We've got the Hang Seng Index up uh, above 26,000, 26,113. The Nikkei, uh, what are we talking about, 0. 054 Of one percent easier there. Uh, The ASX 200, of course, in Australia, we're seeing uh, restrictions on transport between various regions as well. Down one percent at the moment. Shanghai Composite, though, that's where we're at, isn't it? Thirty-three seventy as well. So Hao Hong joins us now, head of research and chief strategist at the Bank of Communications International. Good morning to you, sir. Look, um, this Chinese market has been on an absolute tear to the upside. Has it got legs to remain at these elevated levels or should our viewers expect a lot of volatility to come, sir? Good morning.
1: Yeah, morning to you. Uh, I think volatility uh, could come back um, very soon, you know, because now if you look at all the major stock indices here, they are in a way overboard territory. I think it's, you know, the overboard level is at its highest in the past 10 years. So I think normally when this happens, you know, tend to, you know, people people tend to want to take some profits. But then if you're looking into the longer term to six to 12 months, then I would say that, you know, the uh, positive elements for the market are still there.
0: I was looking at some research that looked at two previous spikes in the Chinese market over the last 20 years. And it's in conclusions. Well, well, there wasn't really a conclusion, i.e. two thirds of the time we go down after a year, about about 11 percent. But a third of the time we go up another 60 percent as well. Which direction are you betting on, sir?
1: Yeah, I would say that the general trend is going up, uh, but then, you know, for another bubble to happen, uh, it, you know, some necessary conditions have to be in place. Uh, for example, you know, we need to see credit expansion, especially domestic credit expansion, especially credit expansion relative to broad money supply. So what happened, especially in 2015, even though the economy uh, is doing was doing very badly, Uh, Back then, you know, because of the uh, financial disintegration, so you're seeing credits flowing into the real economy uh, via non-bank channels. Uh, So I think after that, um, the CSRC and the CBRC actually ring in uh, many of these non-bank channels, and therefore uh, domestic credits can only once again be uh, passed on uh, via the banking channel. So I think you know, if you really want to see a 5,000, maybe 6,000 uh, stock bubble again in the Chinese market, you really need to get the uh, domestic uh, credits flowing before you can see that.
0: Are there political oscillations that could drag down these markets, both the mainland markets and the Hong Kong markets? Of course, we've seen a lot of the events in Hong Kong and concerns that international investors have as well. And there is always the threat continuing of uh, trans-Pacific trade wars as well. Do either of these major issues actually affect the psyche of investors at the moment?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Uh, You know, if you look at what happened uh, in the past couple of months, the U.S. market has been doing very, very well. Uh, the 17% yesterday gain in the Chinese market happened in the past four days, four or five days. So I think you know, most of this year's gain is actually very concentrated in the few, just a few days. And the reason why uh, the Chinese market has been struggling was because of the sort of the intensifying uh, competition and conflicts between the U.S. And, and China. And I think, you know, the situation could get worse, you know, as we head into the November U.S. election. Uh, this morning, we heard you know, some proposal about undermining the Hong Kong dollar pack, and that would be really undermining the cornerstone of uh, Hong Kong's economy. So, uh, you know, the, the headlines could get very negative, and that could sort of add to the volatility in the markets here.
0: What about the data? I mean, a huge improvement in the data as well. But our viewers are looking now, are wondering which is the key data to look at. Of course, we're all looking at things like initial jobless claims in the States and the ISMs and the PMIs. What about over in China at the moment? What are the key pieces of information that our viewers need in order to make a a calculated decision?
1: Yeah, year-on-year growth on um, domestic credit and also year-on-year growth on broad money supply. And I think those are probably the most important leading indicator for the Chinese economy and for the Chinese market. Uh, So far, we've seen total system financing is up. 12%. Twelve percent. We haven't seen double-digit gain uh, system financing for a long time, and also broad money supply M two uh, is up year-on-year twelve year percent as well. So we haven't seen that in more than five years. So I think all, all of those uh, numbers are looking good for the economy and also for the markets here. Uh, other than that, you know, we, we do see some improvement in the PMI, ISM, and all that, but. Uh, you know, because those are really sentiment surveys, I wouldn't put too much weight on those factors.
0: All right, credit money supply, that's the ones we'll be looking at. Thank you, sir. Nice to see you today. How Hong, Head of Research and you, uh, Chief strategist at Bank of Communications International. Well, we've got masses coming up for you, including Deutsche Post DHL surprising the market as it posts an unscheduled set of preliminary earnings. Yeah, looking at this, the print is from last night. Well, we're going to need to speak to Frank Harpel about this, so we'll do that after a very short break. Mentioned opening calls before the breaks. So let's have a look at them uh, in the flesh to see exactly what we're getting. Uh, here. So actually, it's accelerated to the downside. The FTSE's called down another 49 points. Had a dismal day yesterday. Part of that was the fact that the Pound was rallying. Is there a bit of optimism around Brexit? I don't know. Apparently, it was a lovely dinner of halibut between uh, um, Frost and Barnier, the negotiators. But I don't know if that sorted out issues such as, uh, dare I say it, fishing rights uh, and indeed uh, financial markets access and regulatory playing field and all the rest as well. Uh, the Zetrax called down 77 points. The Kakarant seen down 35 at the start of trading. So um, I don't know if you care about this next read. I'm going to read it anyway because I'm wondering if you're ahead of the curve on this, but I'll read it anyway. There you go. S&P 500 earnings are set for their biggest falls since the financial crisis when results for the second quarter come in next week. Refinitiv is forecasting profits will plunge 43%. Now, ordinarily, of course, you'd care about that. I'm just wondering if the market's trying to look beyond that. Did we know, for instance, that we're going to see such dramatic decline? I think we had an idea, didn't we, given everything that's happened? Anyway, forecasting, this is Refinitiv, forecasting profits will plunge 43% following on from losses in the first quarter. Uh, This will put the market into an earnings recession uh, for the first time in four years as lockdown measures continue to weigh on the economy. Energy and consumer discretionary companies are expected to lead the way. When I say lead the way, what lead the way with declines. Isn't, um, what's the biggest stock in consumer discretionary? I think it's Amazon, isn't it? That's interesting. So broader discretionary companies uh, seen leading the way with both projected to post declines of over 100 percent. Deutsche Post DHL has posted uh, a 16% jump in second quarter operating profit, easily beating analyst estimates in a surprise set of initial earnings. Uh, The logistics giant says volumes and shipments recovered during the period, having been hit at the outbreak of the pandemic. Deutsche Post expects fully a profit to come in between 3.5 and 3.8 billion euros. The company... The uh, German company also confirmed its medium term guidance, uh, provided the global economy rebounds quickly. Delighted to say Frank Harper has joined us, CEO of Deutsche Post DHL. Good morning to you, sir. And Annette on the line as well, who knows all things German as well. Uh, Frank, just uh, tell us why you are uh, confident to give us a medium term outlook at the moment. A lot of people are very sceptical that they can do that, given the state of the global economy and indeed the pandemic. Good morning, sir.
2: Good morning. Yeah. So, um, you know, we see already that volumes are coming back, um, and of course, you know, we are benefiting from uh, the amazing uh, e-commerce surge in our global footprint as much as our our broad portfolio, and and that is visible in in the very good Q2 numbers. And we have seen after China came back that euro is now coming back, and we see first signs of recovery as well in the Americas. that makes us confident that, that we are heading and the world is heading in the right direction. Uh, let me ask you about the speed of the recovery because you're clearly also making your outlook contingent on the fact that we get a dynamic recovery. How likely is that on what needs to, be, uh, need, needs to happen? Yeah, so, so why we are giving uh, different scenarios for 2022 um, is because we don't know yet. It's very much dependent on how contained the COVID uh, pandemic stays. Uh, if we really keep it under control and we don't have a big second breakout or continuously lockdowns in different countries, then uh, we are pretty optimistic that we will see a V-shaped recovery. If uh, things are coming back again and again, you know, then we probably see more hue. And if we really have a massive breakout with a complete lockdown of the planet again, then it might lead to a longer term recession. And, and that is what we anticipate at the moment at different scenarios. You know, you know I'm an optimist. Um, I, I think it's important that we all follow the instructions of the government to wear masks and keep social distancing. Uh, using, if you have uh, if that available in your country, the tracing apps. Uh, I think that's the best protection we can do. And if that happens, I think then we will see, you know, uh, a, a good recovery on a, on a global base. Let's talk about trade. How do you see that developing during the second half of this year? Because clearly you talk to so many clients and to so many industry. Um, what do you think about that development? Yeah, so what you can see already now is that countries and companies who have a, a more global footprint or more open to a global, you know, the global network, are will go better through the crisis. Uh, you know, this, these customers who have a global footprint are more stable than they are just depending on one market or producing just in one country. So globalization is stabilizing that. The same you will see for the countries, the countries which are the most connected ones will definitely recover faster from the crisis uh, than the countries who are just, you know, a little or less connected. And, and, and I, I think global trade will recover. Um, you know, we see that already at the moment, of course, very much driven as well by e-commerce, but we also see the start of that B2B volumes are coming back.
0: Frank, nice to see that um, those uh, really hardworking employees are going to get a 300 euro bonus. I mean, that's fantastic news at a time when people are so concerned uh, about their jobs. But more broadly, and not just talking about salary costs, have your costs gone through the roof, uh, given the amount of social distancing, given the special measures you need to put in with this pandemic as well? I applaud your revenues revenues getting up and your profits, but are your costs going to be abjectly affected for the long term?
2: Um, you know, we we always said that you know the most important thing is the health and safety of our employees, and that we try to keep as many people in the company uh, as possible. And of course, you know, we can't give job guarantee because you know if if we have complete shutdowns of customers or bankruptcy, we can't protect our employees against that. But overall, we have been quite successful. And of course, the success of the second quarter is based on the very hard work of our our colleagues around the world and. And we felt as a board that we have to send a sign of appreciation to the people. Um, and we treat everybody equal because everybody on the planet is equally important. We are the backbone of the global trade and, and global business, and this is done by our people. So, you know, it's, it's really important to tell that once in a while. We have said that for more than 10 years that we are working on three bottom lines. We want to be the employer of choice, the provider of choice, and the investment of choice. And in these moments... You have to demonstrate that consistently as well. So that's the reason why health and safety of our employees provide great service uh, quality and if you then can support your employees as much as possible.
0: Frank, I I value your opinion on all these things. You know that anyway. But but in terms of your most favorable scenario compared with your least favorable scenario, which you referenced with Aneta just now as well, Are you underestimating the scale of the difference in profit? Your best case scenario is €5.3 billion of EBIT and your least favoured scenario is only €4.7 That doesn't seem like a very extreme range for me as well. Are you not optimistic enough on your most favourable or are you just a little bit not too pessimistic on your least favourable perhaps? No,
2: I, I think on the, on the least, you have a lot of health, uh, self-help measures uh, in the pipeline, which we have already uh, talked about quite often. That's number one. And, you know, we see businesses like the Express business, our P&P business, the Puzzle and Post business, uh, you know, benefiting from e-commerce. And, and we have seen that already in the first half. Uh, the e-commerce trend has accelerated and not slowed down and, and that is of course also the assumption even if we have a, a very uh, you know weak economy that this e-commerce trend will support our business and not to forget if we really get an l-shaped recovery then intercontinental travel will be very much restricted still because the you know that, what we will see is we have we will see the continuation of the, uh, the pandemic and that's the reason why of course. Volumes in the air will be very restricted, which will help our express and our global forwarding business because we have a lot of airplanes ourselves, cargo airplanes, and of course, and that's the reason why even in the, in, the, in the dark scenario of an L-shape, we should still have enough strength to deliver the 4.7. Frank, let me ask you about the wider effects of the crisis, because some companies are also using it to change how they do business, i.e. cutting down on um, business travel, cutting down on office space. Do you have any plans for to Post? Yeah, we don't have to instruct our people because they can't travel at the moment anyway. Of course, we see a significant drop in, in the cost for travel and entertainment, uh, you know, we are you know starting now to do we're keeping social distancing meetings again. Travel is very low still uh, because we all have learned. Uh, you know, if you know each other, you can really work also through video and tele- telepresence, uh, and that has worked very well. You know, it's it's a, a good thing that many of our senior team have been in that jobs for a long time. And I do my job now for more than 12 years, and of course I do now country visits digital. Uh, I have visited several countries by doing business review meetings, town halls, then in a digital way, and that is doable because the organization knows me. I have visited these countries in person before, so they know who I am. The same is true for my board colleagues, uh, and on the second level we have the same. We have very long-lasting managers, and that's the reason you know, I love to go back to the countries because it's much more personal. But as long as the pandemic is still around, we have to be cautious. Um, and yeah, and, but it works out somehow. So we are not intentionally cutting costs on travel. It's just impossible at the moment.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to CNBC.com.
1: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.